Good stuff. Well, hey, welcome to our Savior's Church. I'm so glad you, you came and, and were our guest this morning. For those of you that are guests, and so exciting about that. Glad for being, thank you for being here this morning. I want you to know it's a privilege for me to be here. I, I, was, I was raised in this family. Uh, I was here almost from day one. Um, I stayed here, my wife and I, for about 11 years, and we helped build some of the facilities here and, and a lot of the... Um, the family that you see, we help build and disciple and do things like that. And then uh, Pastor Bubba was done with us, so he shipped us out. And, uh, <laughs> and he sent us to Eunice, and we've been in Eunice for about six or seven years now, my wife and I. And so we pastor the Eunice campus. And so how many of you know it's exciting to be a part of a, of a unique family like we have? We're actually one church with three locations. And I don't know if you know that, but we have, we have a, our Jennings location, our Crowley's location, and then our Eunice location. And so it's, it's, a, it's a rear, a, a rear, it's a, it's a real, <laughs> shut up, Lindsay. It's a, it's a real privilege to be a part of a unique family like we have now, okay? I don't know many other churches in small cities doing what, what we're doing, and so praise God for that, right? So, so I'm excited to be here. Um, it's, it was good growing up in this house. Um, you'll, you'll hear some stories in the message about some of my experiences here, but today I want to talk to you about being family. Uh, we've been in the We Are series, and how many of you enjoyed that series so far? the book of Ephesians, as we've been studying, we are enjoying this series. It's been a great series. Week one, we covered we are chosen. Week two, we covered we are life. Week three, we changed the series up a little bit to address some issues in our culture. And we we addressed the issue of racism and walls and all those things that need to be torn down in our world today. And and as a church, we, we, we felt like it was best if we came at that head first. If we just came right at that, we didn't, we, as, as, as a church and as a pastor and lead team, we didn't want to run from the issues. We didn't want to run from what's going on. We wanted to address it just where it was. And we wanted to equip you to know how to live, thrive, and act in this type of situation that the world's in today. Amen? I don't know if you know this, but there's been another shooting this morning in Baton Rouge. And there's several officers that have died and lost their life this morning. And so we need to continue to pray. But the, one of the things I shared with the church last week when I preached the message that we are one was that this is that we are God's solution to this problem. The Bible says to pray and ask God and, 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 and repent of your sins and all these things and he will heal our land, right? Everybody was quoting that verse over the last several weeks and all over Facebook and everything. And I sat back and I said, God, well, how are you going to do that? How are you going to heal the land? And I felt like he told me, I'm going to heal the land with my people. And he gave me the great commission. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is just as equal, love your neighbor as yourself. How do we change the world around us? Love our neighbor as ourself. That's how God's going to heal our land. He's already got the solution to the problem. Amen? Amen. So as you're praying, I just want you to be praying that God use me to heal this land. Use me to tear down racism. Use me to bring down walls, Lord. Use me to bring unity in this world. Amen? All right, so today we're going to be talking about we are family, and it's, it's a good message. I really, I really like this message because I'm, I'm a family kind of guy. I grew up, uh, believe it or not, I grew up in a small family. Uh, my immediate family was me, my mom, and my grandmother. I was raised by two women. The man you see is the man that God raised. <laughs> of course, now my grandma had 10 kids. She wasn't just a pushover. She, she beat the cheese out of you with, 
when I was growing up. And, and so, but it, it was good. It was good to grow up in such a small family. But my grandmother had 10 kids, like I said, and we all kind of lived next door to each other. And there was times it was just crazy. I mean, all these cousins just running around tearing up the neighborhood. And we, we spent most of our time fighting with each other until somebody else was brave enough to come around and we'd fight with them. You know, all of a sudden we were against each other. And then the next thing you knew, we were on a team and we were fighting against somebody else. And so there was a lot of dysfunction in our family, a lot of fighting and things like that going. How many of you come out of a dysfunctional family? If your parents are here, you don't have to raise your hand. It's okay. <laughs> Some of the parents are going, yeah, I'm in a dysfunctional family. <laughs> But family is a very unique thing. Families can be, family can really be a really good thing um, when it's done right and is healthy. And so today I want to help us understand how Ephesians, the letter that Paul wrote to the book of Ephesus, how Ephesians brings us into this family and how Paul says we need to act in the family and how we need to thrive in the family and even how we get into the family. You ready for that? Some of you grew up with some siblings you know those siblings, right? We all got that sibling. You know, there's always the one. And you're in here somewhere. In fact, there's several of you. I can see you right now. You're looking a little cross-eyed already. And so, you know, we always had that family. And everybody grew up with that, that one person. Maybe you was that one person. But family can be extremely funny. It can be extremely hard at times too, right? Can I get an amen on that? So today we're going to discover what Ephesians says about family. So go with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to spend most of my time in Ephesians. I'm going to jump out into Romans once or twice and then go from there. But the first thing I want to do is I want to address the issue of how to get into the family. I really want to clear the waters up about how we get into the family of God. Okay, And when I say we are family, I'm talking about the family of God. All right, so watch this verse starting in verse 4. It says, for there is one body... And one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all, in all, and through all. So what Paul's saying here is that there's one body. What does that mean, Pastor? There's one body that you need to belong to. There's one body that you need to be a a part of. It's the BOC. It's the body of Christ. A lot of you are part of OSC. And you don't, but you may not realize that you're part of a bigger BOC, a, a, the body of Christ, the bigger family. And that, that's basically all of the believers in the world, we belong to the body of Christ. That's God's family. Okay, so it's not, it's not, we're not, we don't ever believe that we're the only church in town, that we're the only flavor, that we're the best thing going on. I love my church. I love my church family, but we're not the only ones. Right? The rest of the bodies meeting somewhere around here today too. Amen. And God wants unity in that body. And so he's saying, Paul is saying that that there's one body, there's one spirit. Just as you've been called to one glorious hope, there's only one hope that you need to be hoping in. And that's the day we're going to get to go to heaven. Right? I mean, that's the glorious hope that we need to be hanging on to, that we need to be living for, is that I'm going to be in heaven one day. I don't think there's anybody here going or hoping to go to the opposite. Right? So then Paul says this, there's one Lord. One faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all, in all, and living through all. Isn't that good? How many of you are glad that we don't have to serve many other gods? There's one God. How many of you are glad that there's only one way to get into the family of God, and that's through Jesus Christ, our Lord? Right? I mean, that's good. Good good thing we don't have to stand on our heads and do 100 push-ups or 25 sit-ups. 
to get into heaven. I just started working out again. I, I can do 25, actually I'm up 27 sit-ups, crunches. You know, the hard ones. You're not real excited for me. That's, that's a real victory. I'm just saying. But then I flipped over on the floor and I was like, knock me out some push-ups, right? I was dying at eight. Just saying. But thank God we don't have to do that to get into heaven, right? So let me give you point number one, then I'm going to explain and kind of clear up this whole process. Number one, welcome to the family. Those of you that have given your life to Jesus and you now come into the family of God, I just want to welcome you by saying, welcome to the family of God. Welcome to the BOC. Come on, somebody. It's good to have you as part of the family. Amen. Amen. Good to be a part of the family. Go with me to Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 15. I want to show you how we get into the family and kind of show you what God did to get us into this family. Verse verse 15 says this in Romans 8. It says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. In other words, you're not a whoop puppy anymore. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Say adopted. Adopted. Look at me. He chose you. He picked you. He wants you. He adopted you into his own family. Now we are his own children. And now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Some translations say we are joint heirs with Christ. I don't know if you understand what that means. I didn't understand that for years. But what that really means is that everything that's available to Jesus is available for me. Once I come into the family, I now have all the rights that Jesus has. I'm a joint heir. If there's an inheritance, we all get in the same portion. Are you hearing me? That's what the Bible says. I never realized that that was my place in the family. I never realized that that was how God saw me. Think about this. Let this soak in. God sees you as a joint heir with Christ. You're a joint heir with Christ. When I got that revelation, it changed the way I live. It changed my relationship with God. It confirmed me and even affirmed me as a part of the family. So because of what Christ has done on the cross in the grave, I can now come into this family of God, the BOC. You hearing me? Because of what Christ did. Thank God I don't have to do something. I don't have to work or earn my way into heaven. I can actually become a part of this family because of what Christ did. Not because of what I do or don't do. You hearing this this morning? It's because of what Christ did. He's the one that died on the cross and went to the grave. And God's the one that raised him from the grave so that I could have salvation. Salvation is my invitation to being a part of the family. The only thing required is salvation. Religion says you got to clean yourself up. Religion says you got to get right before you can get in. God says, no, I just want you to get in and I'll get you right. Come on, some of you were beat up by some religious people over your lifetime. They told you you had to do this and you had to do that to get into the family of God. And it was a lie from the pit. Amen? Amen. God wants you just like you are. He says, you come on in here, I'm going to clean you up. Because if you try to clean yourself up, you're just going to make a mess. 
Some of us have believed over the years that salvation is basically just raising my hand at, after, at the end of a service and praying some kind of prayer. And that's, that's one way to be saved. Is, but, but there's something that happens in that. I was saved that way at, at a youth camp. I gave my life to Jesus at 12 years old. But it was more than just a prayer. It was more than just raising my hand. It was more just, than just acknowledging that I wanted to be saved. There was something that went on inside. And for years I was left wondering what happened to me. And so I want to kind of clear that up this morning. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this. This is how you're saved. I want you to understand clearly. Romans 10, 9, and 10, it says this, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. The second verse says this, It is with your heart that you are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Salvation is basically me dying to myself and surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross and believing that God raised him from the dead for my benefit. We're justified in our hearts. There has to be something in the heart that goes on. There needs to be a confession of the mouth. Amen. And that's how we're saved. And listen, that's the good news because now once, once that happens, welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. You now come into the family and you have all the rights that the rest of the family has. Pastor Josh said this was a loud church. Either that's just good preaching and you're chewing on that. I just lost the goose. I mean, something happened. If you can't say, just nod. I I go long when I just, just so you know, I go long when people are quiet. Um, (laughs) Welcome to the family. You know, it's a privilege for me to be a part of God's family. We should never take it for granted that I belong to God's family. That because of what Jesus did, I can go from being an enemy of God to a friend of God. Because of what what Jesus did, when I stumble and fall, I can get back up and me and God are still friends. Come on. He's not beating me down. He's not putting his foot on me to hold me down. He's trying to lift me up. And remind me of who I am and where I belong and whose name I carry now. Welcome to the family this morning. Number two, family requires action. (laughs) So now that you're in the family and you're saved and you've given your life to Jesus and you've surrendered to his lordship and you're now brought into this family, guess what? It's going to take a little bit of action. On your part, there's going, to, there's going to be some things you need to do. Not to stay in the family, not to, not, to, not to even get in the family even more. You're already in. You're not going to be in any more than you already are. Are you seeing this? But there's some things we need to do to help the family thrive. For me to thrive, I have to take some actions in my life. If I want to thrive as a human being or as a follower of Christ, there has to be some action on my part, right? I need to participate in a relationship with Jesus. I need to get involved in what the church is doing, the body. And I need to be a good, healthy member of the family. So, so there's some action that's required for being in the family. Go with me to Ephesians 4 verse 1. Look at what Paul says. He says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you 
to lead a life worthy of your calling by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. Binding yourselves together with peace. Do you hear the urgency in Paul's voice? Do you at least hear it in my voice? Okay. When I read the Bible now, I'm going, God, I want to hear and understand the emotions of the scriptures. Because it's not just words on a page. The Bible is living. It's a living, breathing word of God. And it has some emotion attached to it. And when Paul uses words like, I beg you, I beg you. It's not, you know, I'd like to beg you. (laughs) Paul says, I beg you to live a life worthy of your calling. Come on, live the full life that God has for you. Don't settle for anything less. Paul is begging the church. He said, come on. Live the life that you've been called to live. Be a full member of the family. Don't let the devil convince you that you don't belong anymore. And live your life like you're wondering if you belong to the family. If you've given your life to Jesus, you're in the family. Come on. Maybe you need to remind yourself sometimes that I'm in the family. I might be the black sheep, but I'm in the family. <laughs> right? Paul uses words like, I beg you. He says, always be humble and gentle. That's not a suggestion. He says, be patient with each other. Come on, you love that, don't you? Just be patient. We want everybody to be patient with us, but we don't want to be patient with anybody. Then he says this, and this is my favorite part of this portion of Scripture. It says, making allowance for each other's faults. Get you some of that. How many of you used to get an allowance when you was a kid? I didn't. My mom's was tight, but some of you got allowances, right? So what was your allowance? That that every week or month or whatever, you got X amount of dollars for for just being, you know, a good kid or whatever. So you got an allowance. It was a predetermined amount of money that you got in advance in most cases. Paul is saying, make an allowance for each other's faults. That means that we need to be predetermined that we're going to deal with some people's faults. Let me tell you how this shows up. Because I've been in church long enough to see how it shows up. And I like to be real. So you might not like this. And this may, you may, <laughs> this may be you. But, you know, come September, we're going to have a new uh, life group semester. And we're going to be signing up and, and introducing all these new life groups. And, and there's some of you in here that you're watching to see who's going to sign up in that life group that you want to go to. Oh, yeah, I'm preaching good now. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're going to be watching. And you're going to say, oh, man, I wanted to go into that life group. God, you know, I, just, I, just, I ain't got time for that. I, I can't deal with that person. You know, I, me and Jesus, we just ain't there yet. I can't deal with that. I mean, you know, and, and I'm, I'm not signing up for that life group. Oh, and if she's going to be in there, oh, no. Uh, she talks too much. She's too spiritual. Uh, whatever. I'll see you. <laughs> The funny thing is that there might be a crowd of people behind you when you sign up for your life group going, oh, Lord, I ain't going to that one. Because you think you got it all together when somebody's behind you making allowance for you. Bump your neighbor and say, I've been making some allowance for you. Paul says, you you need to predetermine that I'm going to run into some jacked up people. You see, I was kind of naive when I first came into the body of Christ. I thought everybody was perfect. It wasn't until I read the portion of Scripture that says we're, gonna be, we're being perfected. It's a process. 
right? So I come in thinking everybody was going to be nice. I was going to leave my dysfunction to come into all this function. Hello. (laughs) You know who you are. The church is a jacked up body of believers. Let me tell you something. And we all come in weird. Yep. I first come around here, I never forget, we were working on the warehouse right here before the foyer was even attached. And we had a work day scheduled and Pastor Bubba and Miss Tracy's, all their kids were here. And Nathan was always my favorite. So me and Nathan, we always got along. He's still my favorite. And, and so, but, but Andrew and I never really jived, you know, and we never really got along real good. And, and Andrew wasn't doing something I thought he should have been doing on work day, you know, because I'm an overdriven work guy. And I come in with my dysfunction. And I remember we were walking down the driveway, going to the front, and I popped off and said something to him. And he said something to me, and I grabbed him, and I squeezed him. I was trying to crush him. (laughs) It's the pastor's son. And then he kicked me in a place he shouldn't have kicked me, and I let him go. And I had to humble myself, go to the house later that afternoon and ask for forgiveness. They made a lot of allowance for me. Thank you, Miss Tracy, for making allowance for me. So you never know who's making an allowance for you. So Paul says we need to make allowance for each other. Watch this. He says we need to make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. You know what the glue that sticks God's family together is peace? There should be peace in the church. There can be chaos in the world, but there should be peace in the church. Come on, somebody. There needs to be peace between the believers. The thing I love about our church is we're we're getting to be a colorful church. We're getting all kinds of races in here. And I'm excited about that because here's the thing. We're going to have to get used to it because we're going to be in heaven one day all together. Right? Can I get a better amen? We're going to all be together, so we just soon learn how to get together now. And I believe that God breathes on a church that is interracial and that has different colors in it, and they learn how to get along. What kind of message is that to the world? Maybe, maybe if the church learns how to tear the walls of division down, then the world will take its example and follow suit. Just saying, it could happen. But we need to, we need to work at, at binding ourselves together in peace. In other words, don't let anything come between you. The Bible actually says don't let the sun go down if you're angry with somebody. So when, if you're fighting with your wife last night, you need to settle that before you go to bed. Because you ain't going to sleep anyway. <laughs> Y'all know it's true. And that corner of the bed you think you're going to get a good night's sleep on ain't comfortable. <laughs> right? So number one, welcome to the family. Number two, family requires action. We need to fight to stay together. Number three, family needs to be represented well. You got to get this, that you've been, you've been brought into a place, an undeserved You've been given an undeserved privilege to be in the family of God. We don't deserve to be here. It's a privilege for me to be a part of God's family. Because of what Christ's done in the salvation process, I can now come into the family of God. That's a great thing. And that's a good thing. And listen, there's people that come in here with all kinds of baggage. There's addictions, there's anger issues, there are emotional issues, there's all kind of stuff that people walk in with. Don't ever be ashamed. Jesus loves those people. He loved me. 
right? And so they come into the family and they don't always know how to act. And they don't always know how to, how to thrive in the family. Sometimes for new believers, it's just weird. Can I just be real with you? It's just weird. Sometimes it's awkward because you, you come in, you, you know, and you, and you kind of wear your best clothes and you, and you kind of you come on Sunday mornings and you, and you don't know Christianese and you, you don't know, you know, um, you know, hallelujah, you know, you know, blessed and highly favored and you don't know how to say all that. And then we don't have classes to teach you that. I don't know where that came at from, but I wish I could find out because, you know, I just want people to be real. I want people to walk in here and say, I blew it. Pastor, I blew it. And I want to be able to look at him and say, me too. How about we get up together? Sometimes new people don't know how to act when they come into the family. And Paul's trying to straighten that up. He's saying, hey, there's some things we need to do, some things we need to do to represent the family well. So in verse 17 to verse 32, Paul basically goes off on this rant about the do's and don'ts of Christianity. And I've found that the church lately doesn't like to talk about the do's and don'ts. I personally believe it's because it was abused back in the day. I grew up in the don't do this and don't do that era. How I got saved in that era, I have no idea. Maybe I was just scared to death. (laughs) But all I ever heard my whole life growing up was don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. I meet my pastor for the first time when, when I'm here the first year and he starts telling me, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And something inside of me goes, man, this feels better than, than don't do this. And he broke off that thing. I never forget. I told him, I said, man, thank you so much for telling me what I can do. Because my whole life I've been told what I couldn't do. Right? And so sometimes as believers, we get the do's and don'ts of Christianity confused and we abuse people with those things. We tell them, well, you got to do this and you can't do that to get into heaven. Wrong. Well, if you keep doing this and you keep doing that and you keep going there and you don't do this, then Jesus don't love you no more. Right? Not to mention the other believers that may be saying that, but then you got the enemy who's saying that to you. He's constantly trying to, to, to convince you that you don't belong to God's families. But, but Paul goes at the do's and don'ts of Christianity because they're in the Bible. We just need to use them wisely. The do's and don'ts in the Bible aren't there to get us closer to God or make us more righteous and holy. They're there because we're already righteous and holy in God's sight. And we do those things and don't do those things out of a relationship with God. Not to get a relationship with God. Right? I don't smoke dope anymore because Christ loved me so much that I don't need that junk. I quit drinking not because I didn't like it. I liked it. I like a good buzz. I ain't going to lie to you. I'm funnier when I'm buzzing. I'm sober. I'm boring. Can I just be real this morning? I don't know where that came from. (laughs) But I don't do those things anymore because of my relationship with Jesus. Not so that I can get a relationship with Jesus. You see, I've already got that. I've already got the relationship with Jesus. And when I do and don't do, it comes out of that and not to get that. Okay, just want to make sure you saw it. So Paul goes on his rampage and he starts talking about this and that. You can't do this. Quit lying. Quit lying. Quit stealing. Quit stealing. But he also gives you some insteads. And he says this. He says, instead of doing this, let the Spirit renew your thoughts. 
and attitudes. Uh Uh-oh. Put on your new nature, created to be like God. He wants us to act like Him. Be like God. That's our goal. You're not there on day one. But we're heading that way, right? More and more every day. And you're going to fall, but get back up and keep going. Throw off the old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Paul sets some house rules. He says, man, there's some things we need to do and not do because we're representatives of this family, the BOC. And so this morning, I don't want to beat you up with the do's and don'ts, but I want to give you or inspire you to represent well. The reason we need to represent the family of God well is because God is constantly trying to bring people into his family. God's God's purpose is to build his church. Come on. He, he's, he, just need a little, little break for a second. Just the reason Jesus came and spent time with 12 is so that those 12 would disciple more and the process of building God's church would increase. The only way we're getting to heaven is when God has enough people that he's satisfied with in heaven. That's the reality of it. I believe he's holding Jesus back just simply because there's not enough. So if you're sick and tired of living in this world, start witnessing and discipling people. Let's get the heck out of here. Amen. Let's build God's church and get on to where we're supposed to be. Right? We should be busy about doing the work that he's given us to do. We're the family. He put his mark on us. The Bible says that he identifies us. We've been identified as his own. He put a mark on us. Are you seeing this? He put a mark on us. You're covered in blood. The blood of Christ. The thing that you've been washed with, you're covered in blood. When the enemy sees you, he sees your identification as blood. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. That the Holy Spirit is our guarantee for our eternal hope. Second Corinthians 5.20 from the message translation says this. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. You're his representation to the planet. His family is the representation to the, fa- to, to the planet. Some translations say you're an ambassador. So you know what you need to do? You need to sit up. Right now, sit up. Pick your chin up. Fix your shirt. You're an ambassador. You're not a thug anymore. You're not a gangster anymore. You're not a lying, cheating, stealing, you fill in the blank anymore. Right? You're now an ambassador of Christ. And what he did is he came in and he plucked you out of the family that you were in, put you into his family. He cleaned you. He washed you. He gave you life. And then he takes you and you're going, I'm going to a good family. He puts you back in the same family. You go, no, I don't want to go. But that's what he does. Why? Because he's going to use you to reach your family. 
You see, I believe every one of us has a world that we need to reach. The Bible says to go into all the nations or into the world and make disciples. There's a world that we all have. I'm not being mystical. It's simple like this. It's your workplace. It's your house first. It's your, it's your, your workplace. Then it's your neighborhood. Maybe it's the, the gym you belong to. Maybe it's the, the place that you shop at the most. That's your world that God's given you. You don't have to go to South Africa. If, if God calls you, go. But you don't have to go there to reach people for Christ. You can stay right here in your world and reach people for Christ. And I believe one day we're going to stand and have to give an account for what we did with the world that God put us in. Amen. My world. Are you seeing this? And so God's anointed you to be in that place. And he's going to use you to be in that place. And the way you live preaches louder than the words that come out of your mouth. I got a guy right now from the Eunice campus. He just got a job in, in sulfur and they're working him like a dog. And he's, he's one of these guys, he'll make you uncomfortable because he just loves to tell people about Jesus. He's one of, maybe he's an evangelist, I don't know. But he just starts talking about Jesus and you kind of get like, hey, bro, can you turn the Jesus down a little bit? But that's just the way he is. Now, he's a hard worker. Man, he's smart. He's a go-getter, full of energy. And he's got this new job, and he's out there, and they, they gave him a new hard hat. They put Rev on the hard hat and all this stuff. And he's out there. Get this now. He's out there because he heard that, that, that lesson on, on this is your world that you need to reach. And so he, he understands the job is my workplace. It's my world that I need to reach. He's preaching to people while he's working hard. He's, he's living what he's preaching. I've employed Christians before. <laughs> they don't work. They're lazy. No, I'm serious. But what I'll sure appreciate the break room. I'll be a bum all day long. Got you breaking your back because they don't want to pick up something and work. But anyway, there's representation that needs to happen in God's family. He's called us to be representatives. And you need to act like you belong to the family of God. That's why it's important to remember that you belong to that family. That's why it's important to be at church on Sundays and see the family that God's put you with. And don't run from the one that aggravates you. Make an allowance. Be a part of the family. Remember who you're, who you're with and who you're thriving with and who you belong to because the enemy's trying to convince you you don't belong to anybody. Amen? Amen. Point number four, and I'm going to finish here. The family comes with gifts. And I want to show you this in, in, in verse 11 to 12. The family comes with gifts. So you get all these great things when you come into the family, and then all of a sudden God says, well, hang on, i got some more gifts for you. Uh, but they might not feel like gifts sometimes. Um, <laughs> verse 11 now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Your pastor is your gift. So when he's coming with that look, and you start trying to run, you got to remember he's a gift. When he calls you out into something that you're uncomfortable with, you've got to remember he's a gift. And the best way to use a gift is to do what the gift says to do. Amen. Best way to bless your pastor is to be obedient and do what he says to do, right? Amen. That was a weak amen. 
I thank God for my pastor. You know what's funny? You know what I laugh about all the time is that I'm this big guy, 6'3". I ain't going to tell you my weight, but I'm 6'3", and, and I used to be muscle-bound. I'm trying to get back there again. But I come, I'm this big old guy. You know, I, I, I used to be a bouncer at the club. I used to play college football. I took steroids and lifted weights, you know, all the things that I should be proud of. And, and so I, I come into this family, and my spiritual father is Pastor Bubba. He hits me about right here. But man, let me tell you something about my pastor. In the spirit, he's Goliath's size. And he's never been afraid to address something in my life. And I stand here today more than ever before grateful for my pastor. Because he is a true gift in my life. Him and Miss Tracy are gifts into Cheryl and I's life. Our marriage is where it is because of them. And because of the investment they've made into us. So don't ever take for granted your pastors and the gifts that God's given you. Because God put those in place to keep order in the family. But watch what he really did. Watch this in verse 12. It says, their responsibility, the, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, is to equip God's people to do his work. And to build up the church, the body of Christ. So for years, I grew up in a church where the preacher did everything. How many of you grew up in that church? The preacher was, he preached on Sunday. He did Wednesday night prayer. He did Sunday night, depending on what religion you grew up in. Uh, he was the one that did all the weddings, the funerals, the hospital visits. Uh, he planned all the events. He did all these things, and they burnt out. How many of you know a pastor that's burnt out? You know why the pastor's burnt out? Because he was doing everything. Because he was doing the opposite of what Paul said to do. You see, the Bible says that the pastors and the, and, the, and the teachers are here to equip you to do the work, to do God's work. We're here to equip you to build God's church. You got to see this because you got to start taking some responsibility for being in the family. You're here to build his church. You're here to build his family. Your, 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 your responsibility is not so much in the church. Your responsibility is even more out the church. That you're telling your coworkers about Jesus. You're letting them see the light shine in your life. And you're leading people to Christ by the way you live and by what comes out of your mouth. Amen? So it's our job to equip you to do the work that God's called us to do. Right? That's what the Bible says. So we've been given gifts. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a gift to me. Tell them, I'm sure glad I'm in the family with you. Some of you said that in faith. So you see in this, you see in Paul's, Paul's example and what Paul's saying to the church is that we need to we need to, number one, know that we belong to the family of God. And you're going to have to hang on to that. I encourage you to memorize Romans 10, 9, and 10. Because you're going to need that thing because the enemy is going to try and take it from you and make you believe that you're not even saved. How do you know, Pastor? Because there's days I look in the mirror and go, man, am I even saved? And then in being a part of God's family requires some action on our part. We've got to make every effort to keep unity and peace in this thing. Even more as the days are coming, right? We've got to fight for this thing. We've got to fight for our family. And then we need to represent well. 
Let me me give you verse 30 before I close. It says this. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own. Guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Can I be a little open and honest with you this morning? In my life, I've brought sorrow to the Holy Spirit. It's a constant battle. It's a daily struggle. Just because I got preacher or pastor in front of my name doesn't mean the temptation goes away. It comes by even stronger, I believe. And there's temptations in front of me all the time. And since I became a believer, there's been days that I've, I've given in to those temptations and days that I've brought embarrassment to the family. And there's been days that I've grieved the Holy Spirit and I brought sorrow to the Holy Spirit. And that, that's, hard, that's a hard pill to swallow because of everything that he's done for me. He brought me in with a bad reputation. He brought me in broken. And he put me back together and he gave me life. And I have the audacity to go and embarrass him and misrepresent him. But here's the secret I've learned. I'm going to fall. I'm going to fall. But when I fall, how quick am I going to get back up? Am I going to stay down? Because you see, I'm representing his family. Am I going to stay down? No, I'm going to repent of my sin. I'm going to call it what it is. I'm going to get some accountability from some people around me. And I'm going to ask God to help me and breathe on this situation in my life. And I'm going to gain victory over that thing. Because I'm alive and the Spirit of God dwells in me. And He gives me victory in those areas. Amen? And so being a part of the family doesn't mean that you're perfect. But sometimes we can grieve the Holy Spirit. And if you're living that way today, I just want to give you an opportunity to repent. Can you stand up with me this morning? I'm finished with my message. And I just want to give us a chance to respond to this. If you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never done the Romans 10, 9, and 10 thing where you've confessed Jesus as your Lord and believed in your heart that God raised him from the, from the dead, if you've never done that, I want to give you that opportunity this morning. I want to welcome you into the family this morning. So everybody bow your head and close your eyes just to make people feel a little more comfortable. But if that's you, if you've never given your life to Jesus and you've never made that decision to make him the Lord of your life, would you just slip your hand up real quick, real quick. I see you. I see you. I see you. Praise God. Real quick. Anybody else? Wow. Praise God. Praise God. Welcome to the family. Lord, I just pray for those people right now, Lord. Father, as we confess you as Lord of our lives, and Lord, we believe in our hearts that you've raised Jesus from the dead for my sake. I pray that you would save us like your word says. And Lord, you would bring us into your family. So if you raised your hand this morning, I just want you to say this with me. Say, Lord, I surrender. I surrender to your lordship. I give my life to you, Jesus. I believe that God raised you from the dead. I know it in my heart. In my heart, I know that God raised you from the dead because I feel something drawing me towards heaven right now. Thank you, Jesus. 
If you're here this morning and honestly you've, you want to be honest this morning, you've, you've been an embarrassment to the family and you've maybe grieved the Holy Spirit. And there's some repentance that needs to happen. If that's you this morning, just real quick, nobody look around, just slip your hand up real quick. Real quick. I see you all over the place. I see you. I see you. You don't have to be that way anymore. I see you. You've grieved the Holy Spirit. I want you right now, just all of us across this room, just right now, just to begin to ask God to forgive us. Ask God to cleanse us and pure us. Lord, I pray right now for every one of us this morning, Lord, as there's been times that we've grieved the Holy Spirit. Lord, there's been times that we've misrepresented your family, Lord. There's times that we've just been an embarrassment to the kingdom. Father, I just pray that you would restore and redeem us. Lord, we ask you to forgive us. Lord, please forgive us for where we've fallen short. Please forgive us for the bad decisions we've made. Lord, help us. Give us victory in those areas, Lord. Give us victory, Lord in those areas. Forgive us and cleanse us, Father, and lift us back up. And Lord, I pray for the world that you've given all of us, the little portion of the world that you've given us. I pray that, Lord, we would take it with a sense of urgency. And Father, there would be a just an urgency, and it's like we read in the scriptures right here with Paul, that, Father, there's just an urgency to reach the lost. We don't know when you're coming back. It could be any minute, Lord. I just pray a sense of urgency over our churches, over the BOC, Lord, the body of Christ, a sense of urgency to not only live the life that you've called us to live, but to preach the gospel you've called us to preach. So, Lord, just set your church on fire this morning with a sense of urgency and use us in a mighty way, Lord. Father, I pray we'll learn to thrive in this family that you've given us. And Lord, we'll, we'll, our best friends will come out of this family. Lord, in those desperate times where we need relationships, it's going to come out of this family. Lord, help us to thrive in this family and help us to make this family thrive. For your name's sake and for your glory, Lord. Father, we pray this morning, thank you for letting us in. Just say that this morning, church. Just say, thank you for letting me in, Lord. Thank you for adopting me. Thank you for calling me your own. Thank you for making me a joint heir with Christ. In the mighty name of Jesus, can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? Come on, church.